0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings of one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and I am recording this week's episode on Thursday, August 27, 2020. Normally, this would be where I introduce my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams. But as some of you may recall, there was a fire at the apartment complex where Aaron and his lovely bride Sabrina live. Uh, It happened a few weeks back. And while they were making repairs to that complex earlier this week, technicians evidently accidentally knocked out the internet connection to Aaron's apartment. So while Mr. Adams waits for that connection to be restored... He sends along his heartfelt apologies uh, via text message Uh, for Aaron will not be joining us tonight. I will be flying solo on this particular episode of Marvelous Disney. And before we get to the news, a little housekeeping first. This podcast is being brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of Marvelous Disney. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Also, a quick mea culpa. On the last episode of this podcast, I mentioned that one of the only things I liked about The Black Hole was the score that Jerry Goldsmith wrote for this 1979 Walt Disney Productions release. Well, is Stingray Mask or, or is it Stingray Travel? So kindly pointed out to me a few days back, Jerry Goldsmith didn't actually write the score to The Black Hole. He wrote the score to Star Trek The Motion Picture, while it was actually John Barry who wrote the score to Disney's The Black Hole. Uh, thanks to Singray for pointing out my error, which is easy enough to understand. Back when I was in college, I managed a movie theater at night and on weekends while I was going to school, and back in December of 79, my movie theater, which only had two screens at the time, was unlucky enough to have Disney's Black Hole playing on one screen while Star Trek The Motion Picture played on the other one, which was honestly the sci-fi equivalent of Dumb and Dumber. Um, anyway, given how badly I was personally scarred by this cinematic experience, it's easy to understand why I might have transposed John Barry's credit with Jerry Goldsmiths on these two films. Honestly, the scores to The Black Hole and Star Trek The Motion Picture are the only two things that redeem these two terrible, horrible, no-good, very bad movies. Anyway, just last week I revisited the scene of that crime, the act in twin cinemas, it's a liquor store now, um, and as I wander the aisles of, of that liquor store looking for some trace of the movie theater I used to manage, I thought back to the enormous number of beer bottles that I used to find in that theater after every show, and people would sneak them in somehow and then surreptitiously drink during the film. So, anyway, given the number of beer bottles i find after the shows, it was probably inevitable that this place would eventually become a, a liquor store. And speaking of movies... Uh, we now have some Marvel Cinematic Universe-related news. And we're we're talking about Marvel's The Eternals, or (laughs) should I say Eternals? Let me explain. If you're in the market for some gently used thes, you're in luck. Marvel Studios has just decided to simplify the title of The Eternals to just Marvel's Eternals. Now, where this gets weird is every poster that I've seen to date for this Chloe Zhao movie... And there are images of this poster that go as far back as January of this year, folks. Uh, they all say Marvel Studios in smallish letters and then Eternals in larger golden letters. No, the just Eternals. And yet, when it comes to the press materials that are posted online for this upcoming Marvel Studios release, this is how the movie is described. Marvel Studios' The Eternals features an exciting new team of superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, ancient aliens who have been living on Earth in secret for thousands of years. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, an unexpected tragedy forces them out of the shadows to reunite against mankind's most ancient enemy, the Deviants. Again, in the press release, it's Marvel Studios' The Eternals, Whereas on the official movie teaser poster, it's just Marvel Studios Eternals. And to further muddy the water here, what friends at the Mouse House Management have told me is that in-house, the movie is now officially known as Marvel's Eternals. Not Marvel Studios The Eternals, not Marvel Studios Eternals, but just Marvel's Eternals. So, I don't know exactly what's guiding this change, whether Disney's just looking for uniformity across the board with the, this movie's marketing materials. Whatever the reason, Marvel's Eternals, which wrapped production back on February 4th of this year, which means that this Chloe Zhao movie was actually one of the only films produced in Hollywood this year to avoid being seriously impacted by the coronavirus, is now slated to be released to theaters on uh, February 12th, 2021. Now, Obviously, we'd all like to see more than that, that teaser poster with just the, the name of the film in golden letters. What I'm hearing is that the teaser trailer will pop up online about a week before Marvel's Black Widow is finally released to theaters on November 6th of this year. And then the Eternals teaser trailer will be in front of, of Black Widow. Uh, you know, It'll be shown every time this Kate Shortland film is shown in North American theaters. Um, As for the fully-fledged final trailer for Marvel's Eternals, I'm told that will be placed in front of Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story, which is still slated to arrive in theaters on December 18th, 2020. Okay, so we've talked about a Marvel Studios movie that managed to complete production out ahead of COVID-19 after basically everything else in Hollywood was shut down back in March of this year. But now there's a handful of big-budget, high-profile films that are gearing up to start production or to resume production. So I thought, you know, we should probably talk about a few of these Marvel movies that will soon be going before the camera. On the Sony side of the fence, we're seeing all sorts of stuff being ready for release in 2022 and beyond. Just in the past week, we learned about a Craven the Hunter movie, which will reportedly be directed by J.C. Chandor. Uh, there's also a Spider-Woman movie that Olivia Wilde, who Disney fans will probably know best from having played Cora in Tron Legacy back in 2010. I uh, want to be clear here that this Spider-Woman movie should not be confused with a Madame Web project, which uh, I know Aaron and I have talked about in a previous edition of Marvelous Disney. Uh, Sony hired S.J. Carlson to direct that back in May of this year. Madam Web and the Spider-Woman movie that Olivia Wilder is directing, two entirely different projects featuring two entirely different female characters. And then, speaking of female characters, uh, we also have our Black Cat and Silver Sable movies that Sony has put in development. I have to admit, I'm a little concerned that Sony may be making the same mistake that Warners made a few years back, uh, in that it's trying to rush the creation of an interconnected series of superhero movies, much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And after the crash and burn of Josh Whedon's Justice League back in 2017, you know, I Well, that film proved that sometimes even when you're working with superheroes, you have to walk before you can run. And speaking of running, did you see the news coming out of this past weekend's DC Fandom, the the Warner Brothers Comic Con at Home-like virtual event? Which, by the way, I'm told was a huge success. Uh, They got 22 million global views over 220 countries and territories inside of a a mere 24 hours. Uh, That's a lot of eyeballs. Um, Anyway, the big news coming out of this event was about the Flash movie, which is uh, currently slated to go out into theaters on June 3rd, 2022. It's supposed to feature a storyline where Barry Allen will supposedly race across the multiverse and in the process encounter Ben Affleck's version of Batman as well as Michael Keaton's version of this character which dates all the way back to those Tim Burton Batman movies from the late 1980s and early 1990s. Now, I have to tell you that some folks in Hollywood were suggesting that Warner Brothers, by having Barry Allen travel through the multiverse in The Flash uh, in June of 2022, that Warner Brothers may be attempting to kneecap the Marvel Cinematic Universe's plans for its Phase 4 and Phase 5, which supposedly feature a number of films that will include elements from Marvel's version of the multiverse. Take, for example, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is currently slated to arrive in theaters March 25th, 2022. Me personally, I have to say that any DC movie that features Michael Keaton as The Dark Knight is a DC movie I can't wait to see. Besides, I think the multiverse is big enough for both DC and Marvel to dabble in. And speaking of big, did you see the trailer for the Snyder Cut of Justice League? Four hour-long episodes on HBO Max, oh, which, by the way, you'll also be able to watch as one four-hour-long film. That, again, you know, supposedly debuting in 2022. Um... I gotta say, from what I saw of the trailer, it looks to be very much in Zack Snyder's tradition of grim dark. I, look, I really want to give this recut a chance, but four hours, really? That's an awful lot of brooding Batman and black suited Superman. Am I a bad person because I occasionally like my superheroes to be lighthearted? Um, which is why I was so pleased to see this recent CNET interview with Deu Bautista, uh, who plays Drax the Destroyer in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. When asked what's going to happen with this character in Volume 3 of the series, Bautista tried not to give too much away. He admitted that he'd read an early draft of the script for this upcoming Marvel Studios production, and this time around, moviegoers can expect to see more interaction between Mantis and Drax, but... Beyond that, (laughs) Dave basically said, that's probably all I can say without getting in serious trouble. And that's all I can say before we need to take a commercial break here. Uh, But when we get back, I'll give you an update on the Adventures Campus Project at Disney's California Adventure. And we're back. Okay, so let's let's start building the timeline here, folks. Uh, March eleventh, two thousand twenty. That's when the Disneyland Resort revealed that the Adventures Campus, the first of three such lands at Disney theme parks around the globe, with number two opening at Hong Kong Disneyland and the third and final opening at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris, in uh, eh, the mid two thousand twenties. Uh, Anyway, the Disneyland Resort version was originally supposed to open or or was announced again on March 11th that it would be opening on July 18th of this year, which, by the way, was just one day after Disneyland Park would have been celebrating its 61st anniversary. Anyway, just two days later, on March 13th, 2020, the Disneyland Resort announced that due to COVID-19, Disneyland Park and Disney's California Adventure would be closing just three days later, on March 16th. At that time, it was hoped that these Southern California entertainment icons would only be closed for a couple of weeks. At that time, it was suggested that maybe April might be when the company could safely reopen Disneyland Park at Disney's California Adventure Park. Well, now it's August, uh, which brings to mind a lyric from a song called Time Heals Everything that Jerry Herman wrote for his beloved flop musical, Mack and Mabel. The lyric in question goes something like this. Some Tuesday, Thursday, April, August, autumn, winter, next year, some year. So when is our Disney's two Southern California theme parks actually going to reopen? Because Anaheim only just recently made it to phase three when it comes to reopening businesses in that city. So, well, it ain't going to be April-August, folks. But does that seriously mean that we're now talking about autumn-winter before Disneyland Park and Disney's California Adventure finally reopen? Well, there have actually been some encouraging signs in the past week. Just this past Sunday, August 23rd, Orange County, the southern California county that the Disneyland Resort operates out of, Uh, was removed from the list of counties that the state of California is currently monitoring for the coronavirus. Now, as to when the city of Anaheim will then move to phase four, which is when theme parks can finally resume operations, all city officials are saying right now is that they expect this to happen in the coming months. And I want to emphasize, folks, that's months with an S. What I've been hearing is that an October reopening of Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure is what the Walt Disney Company is now anticipating, more importantly, actively preparing for. Which perhaps explains that remark that Josh Damaro, he's the uh, chairman of Disney Parks, Products and Experiences Unit, replaced uh, Bob Chapek. He made this comment to Roger Dow, Roger, you're is the president and CEO of the U.S. Travel Association, a trade group that's obviously been fretting these past few months about when Americans can start visiting vacation destinations around the country again without concerns of COVID-19 then spoiling these people's uh, fun. Anyway, what Josh said to Roger this past Tuesday, August 25th, was telling. Tomorrow, when asked about what happens when the state of California officials finally give the all-clear to reopen Southern California tourist attractions like Disneyland Park and Universal Studios Hollywood, Josh cut right to the chase. said, as soon as a date and those guidelines are set, I can tell you we're ready. As to what exactly will be ready when Disneyland Park and Disney's California Adventure finally do reopen in the coming months, well, did you see what Josh put up on Instagram late last week on, on Thursday, August 20th, to be exact? It was a picture of a full-size replica of a S.H.I.E.L.D. Quinjet as it was being lowered by crane and then parked in plain sight on a rooftop in the Adventures Campus area at Disney's California Adventure Theme Park. Tomorrow not only posted that shot, but he also posted a follow-up photo that showed Josh, as well as Kevin Feige, Marvel Studio president, and Ken Potrock, uh, he's the new president of the uh, Disneyland Resort, up there on the same rooftop posing alongside that Quinjet along with Josh. Um, by the way, that rooftop is expected to see a lot of action once Anaheim's Adventures campus finally opens to the public. It's going to be the setting of a live action stunt show that will be presented several times daily at Disney's California Adventure Park. And how close are we to actually seeing this live action stunt show happen, you ask? Given that the Disney Auditions webpage has an announcement there right now that says they are looking for, and I'm quoting here, professional stunt talent and union actors to perform in this live-action, in-park Marvel superhero stunt show, many folks at Disneyland Resort are viewing this as a very encouraging sign that the two Anaheim theme parks are really getting ready for a a reopening that could happen as early as October. Mind you, due to COVID-19, these auditions are being handled a little differently than they have been in the past, Uh, Professional stunt performers are being invited to do online submissions now through Sunday, September 6th. Uh, Talent coordinators will then review these online submissions and invite the stunt performers that they are most interested in to then do a follow-up Zoom conference. Um, Just so you know, though, folks, this is not an entry-level position. Uh, The performers at Disneyland Park Live Entertainment Unit are hoping to cast in this new live-action stunt show, which, again, is going to be staged across the rooftops of the New Adventures campus Disney's California Adventure Theme Park. Uh, All need to be, and again, this is a direct quote from the casting sheet, "...stunt professionals with unrivaled experience and athletic skills that will then have to amaze and astound our guests several times daily." Through high-intensity stunts that feature stunt combat, weapon combat, tumbling, and more. To be specific, the roles that Disneyland Park Live Entertainment is currently looking to cast are Captain America. Professionals looking to audition for this role uh, will need to be between five foot eleven and six feet three inches tall. Uh, They're also looking for performers to play Black Panther. Good news, slightly smaller guys can apply for this role. Uh, Disney's looking to cast stunt performers between 5'10 and 62 inches. Mind you, you also need to be at least 18 years of age. And more importantly, you need to be able to work in all sorts of weather conditions. So I I can't imagine they're going to do a show where people race across the rooftops while it's raining out. Um, Anyway, getting back to COVID-19, folks who have been looking forward to experiencing Web Slingers, the Spider-Man adventure, when this marquee attraction opens as part of Phase One of Anaheim's Adventures Campus, they've been wondering, what with everything trying to be touch-free these days, how is the coronavirus going to impact the operation of this new California Adventure attraction? Well... The good news is because Web Slingers, the Spider-Man Adventure, makes use of gesture recognition technology that then tracks the body and the eye movements of riders on this attraction, COVID-19 will supposedly have a minimal impact on the overall operations of this new DCA ride. Now, mind you, there is a marker that's attached to the 3D glasses that writers are supposed to wear as they travel through the web-slinger Spider-Man Adventure show building. By then tracking the writer's head and eye movement, is supposed to then help the, the program that's powering this attraction determine which exact spider-bot each guest is aiming at as, as they sling virtual webs out of their wrists. Um, look, I, I have to tell you, folks, there's reportedly been some discussion What with the whole don't-touch-your-face thing that comes along with COVID-19. Of eliminating these 3D glasses, at least for the first few months that Web Slingers' Spider-Man Adventure is open to the public, what the Imagineers are hoping is that by the middle of 2021... There'll be a vaccine for the coronavirus or a, t- a treatment program or that sort of thing will then become available, which will then mitigate the whole don't touch your face. This is why theme park rides can't have 3D glasses for a wild concern. We'll keep on top of the story as the reopening of Disneyland Park in California venture gets closer and closer to reality. I'm also planning that Aaron and I will talk more in the coming weeks about Web Slinger, the Spider-Man adventure, which is this genuinely fun multimedia interactive shooter game that will engage all of your senses as you try to help Spidey get a handle on all of these spider bots, which because they've accidentally become caught in a replication loop are now in danger of overrunning the entire Avengers campus got to tell you, the Imagineers are doing all sorts of neat tricks to convince you as you move through the show building that you're surrounded by this ever-growing army of spider-bots. In fact, they've constructed this elaborate soundscape for this structure where... You'll swear that as you're passing through the building, the actual air conditioning ducts that are used to keep this ride cool, as you pass under them, you're going to hear the sound of what seems to be hundreds of skittering spider bots. And uh, I know that's the sort of thing that Aaron, who's such a sound not given that he's a radio professional, will really enjoy talking about. But but again, that's a story for another show, an episode of Marvelous Disney that I'm hoping, anyway, Aaron will be here to help me co host but for now, folks, that's going to do it for this somewhat abbreviated version of Marvelous Disney. By the way, you know, if you're looking for more entertainment, you can head over to the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network where we've got Disney Dish with Testa. We, likewise, we've got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. Uh, we have Looking at Lucasfilm, which I do with Dan Z. Uh, we have Universal Giant with Dustin Fuse. We're going to get a new one of those up out of the ground shortly. We're still on hiatus for a bit with I Want That with Shelly Valladolid, but hopefully uh, she'll be back up on her feet shortly. And let's see. I think that does it for now, folks. So uh, if you could do us a favor and head over to iTunes and rate and recommend the show. That helps us get additional listeners. Uh, Likewise, if you really, really, really liked what you heard here tonight, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe that would be very helpful. And let's see. Uh, Nancy wants me to remind you about social media. You can find us over on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And on Facebook as a Jim Hill Media News. Anyway, again, uh, sorry that I was flying solo here tonight. But like I said, Aaron doesn't have any internet. But hopefully that will be fixed soon. And we'll be back with a normal, regular length version of of Marvel-less Disney in the coming week. And until then, thanks for listening, folks.